the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, good afternoon and welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program, Crosswalk with Gino Geraci. It is, of course, the program where we typically take your calls and answer your questions about the things you care the most about. We talk about God. We talk about the historical Jesus. We talk about the Bible. We talk about world views and world religions. And if you'd like to join me on the program, the number is 303-873-1935. Happy to take your call at 303-873-1935. So much going on in the news. And one of the things that I find interesting is the inundation of the news about Jeffrey Epstein and his um, and the, the the so-called Epstein list and um, the growing sense in which the culture um, yearns for um, salacious information. Now, don't get me wrong. Pedophiles should be caught and should be punished. And I'm hoping and I'm praying that even across America, there are, are a growing group of people where they they say, you know what? Um, crimes against children, sexual crimes against children is so unbelievably bad that we're not going to allow that. Now, what's interesting is the only person who's been indicted, charged, and convicted is Ghislaine Maxwell. But it's going to be interesting to me to see how these things unfold. And when you look at um, the top headlines in the news, it's interesting to me how so much is centering again on the Israel-Hamas struggle. And then Christianity Today getting roasted for its claim that Jesus was Asian. Now, again, there is this odd use of terms where people think that by using a particular word, it will make it more culturally palpable. Why is it uh, so difficult for people to form the words Jesus was Jewish on their lips? So... 303-873-1935 is my number. If you'd like to join me on the program, I love, love, love to take calls about the Bible. Um, Like, what is the Bible? Why is the Bible necessary? What influence has the Bible had on humanity? Uh, What is textual criticism? How was the New Testament transmitted? Was it transmitted in a reliable manner? Could the New Testament Writers have gotten it wrong. Who decided which book should be placed in the Bible? You know, one of the the calls that we had yesterday was, again, in part um, about whether or not the Bible writers got it right um, and who decided which Bibles or which books of the Bible should be included. And what about other books that claim biblical authority. So 
Those kinds of questions. 303-873-1935. I was also uh, got a question about um, coincidences, which I found intriguing and um, wanted to, to let you know about to that person who wants to know about coincidences and what does the Bible say about coincidences. We actually have an article posted um, at Got Questions on on this issue of coincidence, and it's all very, very interesting. But um, so what does the Bible say about coincidence? And and some some crazy coincidences that have taken place throughout history. Now, again, if you want to join me on the program, it's 303-873-1935. The word coincidence is used in the New Testament, but it's only used once. And it was by Jesus himself in the parable of the Good Samaritan. That's found in Luke chapter 10, verse 31. Many of you are familiar with it, where Jesus says, Oh, and by a coincidence, a certain priest was going down in that way, and having seen him, he passed over on the opposite side. Now, again, the the context of the parable of the Good Samaritan is, of course, the very famous legal question asked to Jesus, Who is my neighbor? And Jesus is going to make the point that uh, your neighbor is someone that you come in contact with, that you have the ability to respond biblically to their circumstance. And so when Jesus uses that term, and by a coincidence, a certain priest was going down that way, and having seen him, he passed over on the other side. The word coincidence is translated from the Greek word synchrion which is a combination of two words, sun and kurios. So sun or sin means together with, and kurios means supreme in authority. So it's interesting that even the root meaning, the etymology of the word would be that word, which occurs together by God's providential arrangement of circumstances, which I find very, very interesting. 303-873-1935. 303-873-1935. So what appears as random chance is in fact overseen by a sovereign God who knows the numbers of the hairs on your head. And of course, Jesus said, not even a sparrow falls to the ground without the Father's attention. And in Isaiah chapter 46, God states unequivocally that he's in charge of everything. I am God. There's none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I'll do as I please. I'll talk more about that. 303-873-1935. That's the number. Let's see who's up. Wendy, welcome to the program. Hi, Gino. How are you? Good. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. 
Um, I just wanted to know, because when you were, when I first started listening, you were talking about Bibles and something that popped up the other day about the Geneva Bible and someone said, oh yeah, the one before the, you know, King James, why are we this way? I mean, I like the King James, not everybody likes it, but I am interested. I don't, I know I've done a little bit of research on it, but I wonder what your, what your knowledge was about the Geneva Bible. Yeah. Well, there's a whole lot of information on the Geneva Bible. And of course, um, I, I had the great privilege of visiting a couple of times to the um, the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C., where they actually have a Geneva Bible. And wow. It, and it, so it was first published in Geneva in 1560, and it was the product uh, or the work, if you will, of Protestant exiles from England and Scotland. So you're absolutely correct when you say, well, how much of the the King James Bible was influenced by the Geneva Bible. And some people will say as much as 90%. So um so the the King James version is published in in 1611, the Geneva Bible is published in 1560. So for some 40 years after the King James version was published, the Geneva Bible remained the most popular English translation, and it would have been the one that the pilgrims brought from England to America. But if you don't mind holding, I'll tell you a little bit more when we come back. This is Gino Geraci. I'll be right back. 303-873-1935. Thank you for your calls. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program. Again, the number is 303-873-1935. And we were talking with Wendy about the Geneva Bible. Yeah. And, and the Geneva Bible was an English translation. And so, again, it was published in 1560. Now, in order to understand a little bit about the background, Wendy, in 1553, Uh Mary Tudor became the Queen of England. And she was Roman Catholic, okay? And Uh as, as a Roman Catholic, she, I'm not saying every single Roman Catholic, but this particular Roman Catholic queen wanted to eliminate Protestant influences in England. She she wanted to restore um, Roman Catholicism as the official state religion. And so uh, under her rule, there was a time of intense persecution of Protestants. It was known as the Marian persecu- uh, persecutions. Right. And, and so yeah. she she had the nickname Bloody Mary. Mm-hmm. And, and so, because she had over 300 Protestant believers burned at the stake and um and then many others fled the country because they didn't know if she was going to kill them and so during that time several english protestant leaders fled geneva fled to geneva switzerland to avoid that persecution and among them were miles coverdale a guy named john fox uh, Thomas Sampson, William Whittington, and with the support of John Calvin and the Scottish reformer John Knox, they decided to publish an English Bible that wasn't dependent on approval of English royalty. And so in 1557, they published in English the New Testament. And then, of course, in 1560, the first edition 
of the Bible was of that Geneva Bible was published, and that, there's a copy of it at the Museum of the Bible. Was that in English or was that in another language? It was in English, but it was published oh, in in Geneva, Switzerland. Right, right, okay. And so, and so, the this new English Bible was dedicated to Queen Elizabeth the first, and she uh-huh. had been crowned the Queen of England in 1558. Now, remember, this is at the time when Shakespeare is writing. And so this, uh, so under Queen Elizabeth, the persecution of the Protestants stopped. Uh, she began leading England back towards Protestantism. And then um, later editions of the Geneva Bible were published uh, in 1576. And then in all, there were over 150 editions published Um with the 1644 version being the last one. And so it predated the King James by about 51 years. And like I said, it was the primary English Bible that was used by the English Protestant reformers. It was the one quoted when William Shakespeare is, is making Bible quotes. He's quoting from the Geneva Bible. And John uh-huh. Milton and John Bunyan, you remember he wrote Pilgrim's yep. Progress? He uh-huh. quoted from the Geneva Bible. And yeah. so and so it's considered also one of the earliest study Bibles because it had detailed notes, it had cross reference systems, they had introductions and maps and woodcut illustrations. Um and so the annotations or the notes in the Geneva Bible were distinctly Calvinist and Puritan. And so um, there was a reprint of the Geneva Bible in the last couple of decades that was put out by... There was? The, yeah, there's been a reprint of the Geneva, Geneva Bible that's available even now. What does that mean, the reprint? Well, in other words, the original Geneva Bible has been printed in the in in the twentieth century, and okay, and, it wasn't changed anyway. Um, I think that um, it was changed. Um, some of the wording um, has been updated, and uh, some of the notes have been updated. So yeah, there 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 is a Geneva Bible that's available right now. Do you like it? I th- don't have a Geneva Bible, um, but you can get it. I think I think you can get a PDF for free. Oh, it's just interesting. No, I like the English Bibles. I know a lot of. Uh, you know, people like these new versions and stuff, but I, I kind of like the the old. <laughs> well, no, and and if you like the old, you're going to like the Geneva Bible, and okay. and so so there's there's lots of there's lots of uh, updating of words, like like if you read from the Tyndale Bible, which is the 14th century. And the Geneva right. Bible from the 15th century, and the King James Bible from the 16th century. Uh, some of the spellings are almost unrecognizable if you try to read them now. Um, yeah, right, right. So, so like, 
In the Geneva Bible, they spell eyes, E-I-E-S, instead of E-Y-E-S. So, like, if you, if you, there's a, a passage of Scripture, then the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. In the Geneva Bible, it says, then the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig tree leaves together and made themselves breeches. Britches, you know? Uh, yeah. So if yeah. you grew up in the South, you know what britches are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't grow up in the South, but I know what britches are. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But have have fun with it. If you, God, and you, you can get it. God knows every hair on your head. And I, when you were saying that, I was thinking, you know, I never asked God how many hairs are on my head. <laughs> well, you know, for some people, it's a little bit easier than for other people, but... I don't know. I found it comical. I don't know. Between me and God. You know, <laughs> yes. <comical. laughs> yeah, I've been, I'm, I'm talking about coincidence in the Bible and the word coincidence in the Bible, which I found fascinating. Well, yes. thank you for your call. Yes, thank you so much. You know, you have a happy, happy new year. You too. 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. Three zero. I've got open lines, so again, if you'd like to join me, 303-873-1935. I talked a little bit about the fact uh, of, about the word coincidence, and Jesus uses that word um, in, or it's translated that way in the parable of the Good Samaritan. But the Greek word, so when we use the term coincidence, uh, the Greek word gives us a different sense because it's, again, sin or soon, uh, which means together um, or together with, and kurios, which means supreme in authority. So a biblical definition of coincidence isn't, you know, uh, what you and I would say, well, it's just one of those odd coincidences in the sense that it, it doesn't make sense with rhyme or reason. So in a biblical way of thinking, it's what occurs together by God's providential arrangement of circumstances. So again, what appears as random to certain people, the Bible teaches that every hair on the head is numbered, that a sparrow doesn't fall to the ground without the Father's notice, that God knows everything, that he's in charge of everything. And so when we consider life events, we tend to classify them as important or unimportant. And many people have no problem believing that God is in charge of the big things, but they assume that God must not trouble himself with what seems like the little things. I'll have a little bit more to say about coincidence. When we come back, 303-873-1935. How do we explain unexpected events and surprise meetings? Well, let's talk about it. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program. The number is 
873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. And uh, I've been talking a little bit about coincidence. And of course, the Bible only translates that word one time, at least in an English version of the parable of the Good Samaritan, where Jesus talks about, and by coincidence, a certain priest was going down that way. And having seen him, he passed over on the opposite side. But the Greek word translated coincidence basically is a combination of two words, which means together with and supreme in authority. So the biblical definition of coincidence includes the idea of the providential arrangement by God according to his supreme will. And so when we think of coincidence as an unexpected event or a surprise meeting, um, just because we're taken by surprise, obviously, that doesn't mean God is surprised. So scripture seems to be clear that God allows sinful human beings to make mistakes and reap the consequences of those mistakes, but only a sovereign God could also promise that he will, according to Romans eight twenty eight, cause all things to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose in ways known only to God. He takes our mistakes, our unplanned events. He weaves them together to fulfill his purposes. So in the old Testament times, God used um, a couple of things that are noted in the old Testament called the Urim and the Tumim. These were pieces of the high priest's ephod, which was the breastplate that was worn by the high priest to help give guidance and instruction. And so there's several passages of Scripture that allude to that in Exodus 28 and Leviticus chapter 8 and 1 Samuel chapter 30. But um, in the New Testament, we see the apostles trusting God's sovereignty when they cast lots to choose a new disciple to replace Judas in Acts chapter 1, verse 26. And though each of these means of communication seems insignificant, God shows throughout Scripture that he can use the smallest object or event for his own purposes. You might be thinking, that it's just only a, a, a coincidence that you happen to be listening to the radio program today. Well, God does not seem to allow for how you and I basically understand the term coincidence to be some sort of unplanned, unguided. Um, the word I'm going to use is bizarre circumstance. So the administration of the universe, according to the Bible, isn't based on serendipity. Now, remember when I'm using the term serendipity, I mean just the fortuitous, um, a fortuitous series of events that just unfold. And so in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 33 
It says, the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. So in a way, that's Old Testament speak for no matter how you roll the dice, the die is going to come up according to the plans and purposes of God. And so there's a there's a series of historical events that I thought were really interesting. Like, for instance, uh, John Adams and Thomas Jefferson both died on the 50th anniversary of the of Independence Day. So uh, John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, they shared, um, you know, obviously in the writing of the um, Declaration of Independence and and the Constitution. So apparently they struck up a friendship in 1775 in the Continental Congress. They teamed up to 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 draw up the initial draft of the Declaration of Independence. And they concurrently served in Europe as American diplomats, ambassadors, if you will. They became the second and third presidents of the United States. Uh, they reignited a regular correspondence in their golden years through the cusp of the 50th anniversary of the signing of the Declaration uh, on July 4th, 1826. That day, as he lay on his deathbed, John Adams reportedly delivered his final words, quote, Thomas Jefferson survives, not realizing his old friend and former rival had passed away just a few hours earlier. Coincidence. Interesting. 303 873 1935. 303 873 1935. Let's see who's up. Ken, welcome to the program. Ken, I, I, you know, I enjoy your program so much, and I'm usually driving, so I can't call in a question. Uh, I'm in a car now, but I'm not driving. And a good friend and I are debating, are really debating, and of course, he's very firm that. If you're not baptized, you're not saved. Right. And my concept is, if you're if you're not um, uh, baptized, I mean, a baptism is just a confirmation that you have been saved, and it's not a requirement. And I'm gonna I'm gonna just hang up and turn the radio back on so we can both listen. Okay. All right. All right. I'll talk about a little bit about that. Well, and you know, there was a time when I got almost weekly ask the question about tongues, tithing, and baptism. And so it seems to me uh, what the caller had alluded to um, uh, is about baptismal regeneration. And baptismal regeneration is the belief that baptism is necessary for salvation, or more precisely, that regeneration doesn't occur, occur until... A person is water baptized. So baptismal regeneration is a belief that's taught by a number of Christian denominations. But again, um, there's a, several churches that are well known for it. The Restoration Movement, uh, the Church of Christ, the International Church of Christ. 
And so advocates of baptismal regeneration will point to a number of different scriptures like Mark 16:16 16, 16, and John 3:5 and Acts 2:38 and Acts 22:16 and Galatians chapter 3 verse 27 and 1 Peter chapter 3 uh, verse 21 for biblical support. Now, and granted, these verses seem to indicate that baptism is necessary for salvation. But again, what I'm going to suggest to you is that they're biblically and contextually, they don't support baptismal regeneration. And so I think that when we look at the four-part formula, so advocates of the I've only got a few seconds, so I'm going to have to come back to this question. So advocates of the baptismal regeneration typically have a four-part formula for how you're saved. Repentance, understood biblically. Uh, Confession, understood biblically. Baptism, understood biblically. And so one of the reasons why I suspect that baptismal regeneration is not what the Bible teaches. I'll, I'll let you know here in a moment when we come back. We could talk about this all day. We could finish the whole program with it, but hopefully I can give a brief, but hopefully biblical answer. This is Gene. I'll be right back. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program. We got a call earlier from Ken about baptism and um they were apparently he was having a discussion with a friend about baptism and and the belief that it's necessary for salvation and that's the idea is called baptismal regeneration now it's my belief that baptism is an important step of obedience for a christian but i reject that it is required for salvation, but I also strongly believe that each and every Christian should be water baptized by immersion because baptism illustrates a believer's identification with Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection, and also because it provides a public affirmation of something that has inwardly taken place. Now, my primary reason for believing that, even though there are some passages that seem to indicate that baptism is a requirement for salvation, I think we have to understand those passages in light of the passages that tell us that we're saved by grace through faith alone in Christ alone. Passages like John three sixteen the most famous passage in the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And, of course, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God. It's not a result of works so that no one may boast. And so if baptism is necessary for salvation, And to me, one of the most compelling reasons is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 14, where, where Paul basically says, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius. So why would he say that? He said, for Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. 
Now pause and think about that. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. But if the gospel is repent, believe, and be baptized, then you have a different definition of the gospel. So Paul the Apostle himself says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Now granted, in the passage, Paul is arguing against the divisions that plagued the Corinthian church. However, how could Paul possibly say that I am thankful that I didn't baptize, for Christ didn't send me to baptize, if in fact baptism was necessary? This would have been the perfect opportunity for Paul to say, for Christ has sent me to preach the gospel and baptize, because baptism is a part of the gospel. So, If baptism is necessary for salvation, Paul would literally be saying, I am thankful that you're not saved. For Christ didn't send me to save. That would be an unbelievable, ridiculous statement for Paul to make. And further, when Paul gives a detailed outline of what he considers the gospel, he does so Later in that very same book, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 8, where he lays out what is the gospel. He basically says, now I would remind you, brothers, this is in 1 Corinthians 15, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand and by which you are being saved if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance or chief importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scripture that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, even though some have fallen asleep. So if you get an opportunity, those of you who are listening, go to gotquestions.org, type in, is baptism necessary for salvation? And there we will have several articles Addressing each and every one of the passages in Acts 2.38, does it teach that baptism is necessary for salvation? Does Mark 16.16 teach that baptism is necessary for salvation? Does 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21 teach that baptism is necessary for salvation? So you can go right down the line, and hopefully this will help you answer some of the difficult questions. 303-873-1935. That's the number. But I also want to remind you about my friends at QC Kinetics because guess what? It's a new year and maybe it's the it's the it's a new time to get lasting relief to make a brand new decision about the awful joint pain that you're experiencing. Don't go another year compromising because of that pain in your knees or shoulder 
Call QC Kinetics right now. QC Kinetics is the nation's leader in regenerative non-surgical pain relief. Your body has what it needs to restore and repair that damaged joint tissue, and QC Kinetics can make it happen. No drugs, no surgery, no downtime. And the future of pain treatment has arrived, and QC has tens of thousands of satisfied patients all over America, people with back pain, hip pain, a joint pain, any pain associated with arthritis or injury. And it's not just a Band-Aid. This is a revolutionary treatment that can get you moving again. I don't know if you've had what seems like debilitating joint pain. I, I have. And the doctor said... Um, well, you should get surgery. And I said, well, when? And they said, when you can't stand the pain no more. But guess what? I'm going to make a different decision. If this is the year you decide to fight back against pain, take that first step. Call QC Kinetics. Get a free consultation on the calendar today. Call 303-900-8986. That's 303-900-8986. 86. And of course, I have another number for you if you want to join me on the program. It's 303-873-1935. And again, 303-873-1935. I know that we're coming up on a break. Uh, Producer Jim, we probably don't have time to take another call, do we? Yeah. So if you're calling in, Stay tuned, 303-873-1935. When we come back, we're going to hopefully have lots of time to be able to take your calls, answering your questions. You know, I was talking about the strange coincidences and the fact that John Adams and and, uh, Thomas Jefferson both died on July 4th, 50 years after the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Did you know that John Wilkes Booth's brother saved the life of Abraham Lincoln's son. Now, that's kind of odd. And uh, did you know that Mark Twain was born into the world when Halley's Comet showed up and exited the world when Halley's Comet showed up? And that there was a car that brought about World War I but also predicted its end? It's interesting. Wilmer McLean hosted the first major battle and the former formal conclusion of the Civil War at Appomattox. Just a coincidence, huh? Interesting. 303-873-1935. That's my number. If you want to join me on the program, hopefully I'll be back taking your calls, answering your questions. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.